On my recent trip to America, I had the wonderful opportunity to spend a little time with Bill Brady, who's a tremendous talent in the VO industry based out of Las Vegas. And he did a quick impromptu interview, and I wanted to present it and let everybody have a little listen. He's the man. Hey, I'm here with Ted McAleer, who's a VO talent in Seville, Spain. And I've known Ted for about... Um at least about a year now, and uh, he stopped by on his visit, and I want to say hello and welcome to the studio, Ted. It's nice to personally meet you. How are you? I'm pretty well today, uh, Bill. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it's really exciting to be here in Las Vegas and meet you because you were always one of the guys that I looked up to, and I remember the first time I heard you on the uh, on a SoundCloud bit, and I said, oh my, that's Bill Roberts Brady because it, it, your voice is such is so tonally correct for your for your passion there. And I, I appreciate that. What brings you to the U.S.? Well, uh, it's kind of tough circumstances. My father uh, passed away suddenly, and I went down for the memorial and the funeral. And uh, but while I was here, I wanted to uh, take a w- at least a week and visit all these great people like you and like Ann Ganguza and Johnny K and the the other people, the VO peeps. Some other people that I've met in my travels, uh, Mike Martin, some other people. I, I had an opportunity to spend some time with George Whittem, which is was just magnificent. So when I came down, I, the first week was with family business, and the second week was devoted to just complete VO geekery, okay? Now, it's amazing because, you know, in the uh, voiceover world, uh, you can literally be anywhere in the world – and you're so active on um, social media, you're active on Facebook, and it seems like you're, you're here, you're plugged into the community itself. And why have you chosen to live in Spain? Well, I got bitten by the Spain bug in 1986, 1987. I was stationed there in the Navy, and the, it just felt so comfortable for me. And then my last uh, tour of duty was in Sardinia, Italy. So it seemed like a good, uh, a good thing to come over to come to Spain. But at that time, I wasn't doing anything really with VO. I was just, you know, I was just being me. I came over working stiff. Of course, it's a foreign country, but the challenges of, of living and working in a foreign country kind of appealed to me. And uh, it's a little more difficult, but it's a lot more fun, I think. And since you're right, you're right. You said it best. You, We can do this from wherever we need to be, wherever we're at. We can do this. I happened to pick it up while I was in Spain. Now, there are so many things to like about um, doing B.O., What do you like the best about B.O.? I like the creative aspect. I like being able to look at a script and know in my head how that sounds and then perform it in in that kind of way. That's what I kind of like to do. I I do most of my stuff is self-directed in my own booth. So, and I had to develop that. But that's what I like, the creativity factor of it, you know, doing different takes and checking, seeing how different things sound. It's, It's just a great medium. It's like it's like Photoshop. There are so many venues. There's cartoons, um, characters, uh, promo, trailer, you know, commercials. What do you do most, and what do you like the most? Well, it's a good thing because my main market is medium to long term narration. Uh, what I specialize in is I I market myself as your path to the global marketplace because I also translate in English. So my customers come to me looking for uh, an international translation of their message and then delivered in a nice, easy, easygoing kind of way. Who's inspired you the most? Oh, geez. You know, um, that's a that's a tough one. I have received, I have to say, I have to give a big shout out to my uh, my colleague and friend, Paul Strickwarda, who probably gave me the best advice at the critical moment in my career. And <clears throat> by him just even responding to my email, 
I went, I laid the tracks, nailed the job, and just felt like, okay, I can do this. That was real early on in my career. Paul Strickward is one. Uh, Roger Leparty, believe it or not, when I was probably two days into VO, and I was just searching out all those things that, you know, what is it, what is it? I watched a video that he did from his studio, and he said, cut your own path. Find your own thing. Don't go the way that everybody else is going because there's a big line of people there. Find your way in and then create your own niche. And for me, it was I long-term narration seemed to work for me. So that's that's the area. And again, that's the biggest uh, part of my market. And actually, that's what, that's what I like doing the best. I know Paul. He uh, provides a voluminous volume of information, you know, on on, uh, social media and doesn't charge for it. He's amazing. He is. And there's ways you can learn, get involved, and uh, kind of test the waters. Uh, What would you recommend to somebody new? What I'd I'd really recommend that you do is if you you feel like doing this, buy yourself an inexpensive mic, uh, look at things. You You don't have to spend a lot of money. And then my tip would be go to the Edge Studio, okay? Learn the techniques for recording. All that information is available on the Internet. Practice, 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 and get feedback. Again, that's where the Edge Studio really came into my career just because it was a place where I, as a complete novice, could put up a clip and say, okay, what do you, the people in the uh, in the forum, think about this? And they, you get good feedback. Sometimes it's not so great, but at the same time, I was I knew what I was doing in all of these, so I could take the feedback that I got and incorporate the stuff that I thought that was really solid. And also, the one thing is I listened. I listened to thousands, maybe thousands, thousands of clips Mm -hmm. to listen for how they did it and what sound appealed to me so that I could then incorporate that in my own sound. Now, somebody just starting out, would you recommend like um, somebody to give them advice technically on somebody that can help them from the ground up get a microphone plugged into a uh, a converter into their computer, whatever software. Would you recommend somebody that can do that? Well, sure. Uh, geez, George Whittem can do it. There, there are numbers, lots of services that can do that. But again, if you're tenacious and if you're on a really tight budget like I was when I first started, and still am, by the way, I'd throw that in there for my wife. Um, she, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's not buy a mic. It's buy the mic and learn to – There, here's the key, the one key thing I learned. My first mic was a pretty – it was an okay mic. It wasn't a great mic, but it was it was a studio mic, XLR. Um, now they have good USB mics. But I learned how to use the mic as opposed to thinking that, well, it's the mic is the problem with my sound because the mic is never the problem with the sound. You can – there are plugins and filters and things, and you can learn how to run Audacity or whatever uh, workstation that you're using on that. But you can you can overcome all that. It just takes longer. But learn to use the equipment that you have. Don't just throw that equipment away and say, oh, well, you know, my stuff isn't good because it's the mic. Because you can learn to use that microphone at, at any level and make it, uh, make it pay. My first mic cost 160 bucks, and I think I, that, that thing made me about 8,000 euros my first year. I've known you um, at least half of your career. I've seen you flourish from beginning to the point of making a living out of doing this. What do you attribute the ability to make a living? Would that be to get involved in, and, and, and reach out and touch the people involved in the business? Well, a lot of it is networking. You know, I mean, I could be, have been the one to say, oh, I'm too far away. Oh, I should just throw in the towel. This is no good. You know, I'm not going to – I need to be in L.A. I need to be here in New York. But I was able through the, to harness through social media and the power of the Internet. All of the pros put all the secrets on the Internet. And that's where the information is. Now, it's not an overnight thing. 
you have to. I spent I spent a whole month learning how to use the my DAW, my digital whatever you use. If you use Audition or if you use uh, Audacity, Audacity or or if I use uh, Pro Tools or Pro Tools, right? Pro Tools a little overkill, as everybody says, but it works really well. I use a program called uh, Nuendo Four, which is real popular in Europe. Yeah, and so, but it's an industry standard, and through that, I can use other things, but. You have to learn how to use your equipment. That's the first part. And then once you get your sound and getting that sound to what's a standard, a professional standard that you can send to any engineer and they can they can use it, make it your own. Because if you make a demo and it's not you or you can't do it, if you can't reproduce that, that's useless. And you'll shoot yourself right directly in the foot because nobody will hire you. You know, uh, Ted, I got into uh, voiceover work um, as a result of radio, which a lot of people who have been past radio announcers end up being voiceover people. But it's almost a hindrance at times. And from the perspective of somebody who's um, never been in radio and your first introduction to getting behind a mic, can you share maybe an experience or two with us? It's it's interesting because, I, you know, I was in the Navy. I was in, I'm a retired Navy. And uh, late in my career... I was in a real cushy office for all the emergency drills, and it was wonderful. And there was a little bit of a pissing contest between two minor, two uh, junior officers. And suddenly, I have to be up on the bridge with the captain and the executive officer and all the people, and their pants are tucked in, and they've got the helmets on and all that stuff. And my job was to what we call pass the word. I had a mic. It's a, just a hand mic. And I would say something like, uh, uh, the fire is out of control, or... General quarters, general quarters, all hands man your battle stations. And I was up there and I was angry about it. I didn't want to do that at all. In fact, I wanted to be down in my office working and doing other things. So uh, I was standing there with my helmet on and the officer of the deck, who's the person who gives me my order, says, uh, I want you to say, or he says, uh, he would just repeat, he would say, fire is out of control. And so I picked up the mic and keyed it and I said, the fire is out of control, just like that. And it was dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's looking at me, and I'm looking at them. And uh, afterwards, uh, my department head called me up and said, uh, listen, uh, we want you to, you know, we're having some trouble with what you're doing. I said, well, is there something wrong with what I'm doing? Well, no, it, it actually is good. We just want you to be a little more normal, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know, you can fire me if you like. <laughs> but until such time, I am going to fire watch set by Siemens Magatelli. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was actually kind of the rage, and um, we had actually a, a major inspection, a congressional inspection. It's called an inserv, and they came down, and the heat was on. The heat was on from the captain down to get me to be, you know, the fire is out of control. Uh, fire watch that. No, I wasn't having any of that. You can fire me. That was the original option. Fire me if you don't want me to do it. <laughs> so we got up there, and true to form, because I had some stones in the Navy, too. I wasn't just going down without a fight. Um Fire is out of control. And uh, so we waited for the fallout. And then at the outbrief, uh, the captain stood up and he said, well, one first thing I want to talk about is the first time I heard that guy on the announcing, I thought it was some kind of a joke because here's this, you know, really smooth, really nicely modulated voice coming out of there. And I thought I was going to go make a note, you know, who's the clown on the microphone. But I watched the fire team and the fire team was all mimicking what this person was doing. And as a result of that, the word was getting around the ship. Everybody was listening and was keyed in and knew exactly what was going on. And it actually provided a real calming influence. Now, I can tell you that in the outbrief, that isn't what the captain and the XO and everybody wanted to hear. Right. Uh, but it did definitely, uh, <laughs> there was some there was some tightness in the uh, in the <laughs> in the nether regions as they were going on that. But in the end, it all worked out. 
But that was kind of the, that's how I started, just by being a goof on a microphone. Interesting story. That's incredible, and it's um it, it's neat to see that uh, many years later, I assume you uh, had had jumped into voiceover. Yeah, probably. Let's see. I've been retired now. Well, I retired in 1999. So what? It was 15 years. I yeah. I got I went to Spain and uh, found a job. Because that's what we do, 30% unemployment. But I found a job because I'm diligent and, and hardworking and found another job and found another job. And then finally I started – what I do now is I teach. So basically I live in Spain, but I speak English all day long to my students. Mm-hmm. And I, I have the gift of gab, so it works out pretty well. Well, you've chosen a um, you know a good uh, – being involved in narration, that's something that uh, most people from radio can't do, that long-form stuff. But uh, speaking of long-form, we're going to wrap it up because you've got to get on an airplane, I've don't you? got to get on an airplane. Yeah, I'm heading back to Spain tonight. And I wanted to thank you, uh, Bill Brady, for having me uh, over. I wanted to meet as many of the people who have helped me along in my career. And you were one of those guys that early on – I was listening to, and and actually, Bill recorded a couple of clips for uh, the preamp that I bought based on his voiceover and review of the thing. A friend of mine, oddly enough, a friend of mine in Finland said, get this thing. And I went to YouTube to find out the stuff, and bam, there's... I'm talking about the Warm Audio WA-12. <laughs> Giving a big shout-out to Bryce Young down there. He's got uh, some great stuff. But this, coupled with, again, uh, Paul Strickward, among others, had recommended the CAD, and a lot of people do. I don't recommend it because I know that it's the secret weapon, yeah. and I don't necessarily care that everybody gets one, right? That's the CAD <laughs> E100S in case CAD is listening and wants to uh, certainly send me any gear. I'm happy for that. <laughs> Thanks a lot for stopping by, Ted, and definitely look forward to uh, having you in the studio again. Great. Thanks for having me, Bill.